This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Yoshua Perikhe. Um, there we go. It was when all the kings of the Mori were on the west side of the Jordan River, and all the kings of the Canaanite were on the right, right by the sea, by the coast of the sea. They heard that Hashem had dried up the Jordan River. Now, we talked about the Jordan River being dried up last time, what happened, how it just stood up in the air. But even the people on the west side of Eretz Canaan, meaning all the way by the sea itself, by the Yamsuf, even they heard about this. They saw it, according to the Medrash. They, immediately their hearts melted. They no longer had spirit to stand in front of an Esau. They were just scared out of their minds. Not Mediterranean, but... The Mediterranean. The Mediterranean, yeah. Yama, the, the Yamsu. Oh, well, I said Yamsu, right. right. No, 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 I meant Yama Gadol, by the Mediterranean Sea. But Isiyam Hashem is Yoshua, El Yoshua. At that time, Hashem said to Yoshua, Surin, make for yourselves knives made of rock, sharpened rocks. Vishuv Mol's Bnei Yisrael Shenis, and I would like you to give the Bnei Yisrael a second bris meal. Vyasal Yoshua Chavos Surin, Vyamos Bnei Yisrael, El Givas Aralos. And Yoshua did this, right? And he gave Bnei Yisrael bris meals by Givas Aralos. Now, this is interesting. It's the 11th of Nisan, the day after they had crossed over the Jordan River, and Yoshua gives a bris meals to all of the people. I don't know if he was the only Mohel, that doesn't mean, but he made sure that everybody went ahead and got a bris meal itself. Now. So this is the next round leaving. After leaving Mitzrayim. So the question is, why did they not have bris meal up until this point? What was the point? So the first answer is, is easy because, number one, they were afraid. I'm sorry? The Rosophonies. We'll get to that. But the first answer is that it's dangerous to travel for the first three days after being circumcised. The flesh is not yet healed completely. So that was a real problem. For them to go through, that's going to be the first problem. The first problem is, is that it was too dangerous, so there was nothing they could do up until that point. Welcome, Dave. So, too, the second answer over here is that since it was possible, they were well, part of the first answer, since it was always possible they're going to be traveling the very next day, they never thought it was safe, so they said, all right, forget it. We're not going to do the bris Mila because we don't want to put our kids in danger. The second is, during the 40 years, the northern wind, that's what you just said, the northern wind did not blow from them. The northern wind always heals flesh really quickly, right? That north wind is special property that allows it to be, but it also scatters clouds. Since they were in the Ananiya covered up until this point, they couldn't have the north wind. And if they couldn't have the north wind, then it was dangerous to give a bris to their, their babies. Shevet Levi did it anyway. They were willing to go ahead and give bris even though they knew that it was dangerous. They refused to give it up completely. Now, however, they had crossed over the Jordan River. The Anania covered were gone, and they were ready to get the bris right then. Now, the reason why they were supposed to go right then and they were supposed to get it right that point is interesting. They were no longer afraid of being attacked by the Canaanites. Everybody was scared out of their minds to go anywhere near B'nai Yisrael because of what just happened with the Jordan River. There is no better time to go ahead and do a bris milah. Welcome, Jordan. Just take any of these over here. This is like the best time to be able to go ahead and do it because no one's going to fight them. It was scary to be able to fight them. So if you have to worry about the bris milah that all B'nai Yisrael is going to be incapacitated for the next couple days... This is the time to give the bris milah. Second is because since they were about to start their 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 destruction uh, or of all the people of Eretz Canaan, and that was in the schus of Avram Avinu who came in the land, what better way to start that 
than to take the schus of Avram of the bris mila, and to take that on for yourself and to do it right over there. Number three is to unite B'nai Israel, to put them all together, to put them into one category. They were all willing to be able to do it together. Up until this point, there were one people because they were sitting underneath the clouds and doing everything together. So it made sense that, you know, you didn't need the bris mila to unite them. Now they needed the bris mila to unite them. In order to make sure they wouldn't divide the factions when they were around, that's that. Number four, they were about to eat the Korban Pasach. In order to eat the Korban Pasach, you need to have a bris mila. They had not brought a Korban Pesach since the second year in the Midbor when they all had had bris milas. Now, however, they're going to bring it again. They needed a bris mila in order to go through. So those were there, right over there. Yeah, now, the third year, everybody would have had a bris mila. I'm sorry? I mean, most people are not. Most so, you're right. But the, since the Korban had not been brought for the next 38 years in the Midbor, and now all of a sudden they're going to bring the Korban Pesach, they needed to give bris mila again before they brought it. And we're asking why they had to do bris mila right then when they walked inside, right there itself. Now, it is interesting over here. HaKadosh Baruch Hu commanded him to use stone knives. Now, why stone knives and not metal knives over here? So it seems like this, that number one, it had to be it's got to be for yourself. In other words, we've got to have qualified people who are able to do it. Also, it seems weird that it says a second time over here. It's as if this is a second time. What do you mean a second time? This is the first time anybody has ever gotten a bris mila before. The answer is that Yoshua was the one who had given the bris mila to the people when they left Mitzrayim. Moshe Rabbeinu did not do it. It was Yoshua who had done it. And since Yoshua had done it earlier, done it earlier, this is the second time that Yoshua is going to give bris mila to Bnei Yisrael. Obviously, this is hard. What? Why is that important? I don't think it's important as much as it is finish the job that you started before. You understand what I'm saying? Like, if you started this mitzvah of bris milah, then finish it off. You're still around, you're still there. But that's the idea behind it. And therefore, it's considered as if it was something there. Since Yoshua had to give a bris milah to everybody there, it's all pasagalaf, parakeh pasagalaf. Since he had to do it, it had to be well organized. HaKadosh Baruch Hu told him to get a very sharp stone so that if it got damaged, they could redo it again and again and again. It makes sense that there would be more than just one over here. Um, it does make sense that back in the day they would use stone instead of metal. There are so many impurities and so many different types of metals, and I don't know if they had the healing, the way to heal that back then, that stone stone knives were probably easier to use than metal knives. It probably porous. didn't hurt as much. I'm sorry? More porous. I can't it depends on what that. kind of stone. So it depends on what kind of stone they had. If they had good stone, like something that would be like almost like onyx, which they definitely had since they were using it for the Mishkan itself, it's possible that it would be easier for them. I'm not saying it's for sure. I would think so. Yeah, anything could be used for shita. Even glass could be used for shita. So that would be there, right? It could be that it's going to be like that. It also could be that since circumcision is like entering inside the Jewish people, maybe back then they held you couldn't use metal, which shortens people's lives. So you couldn't use that. Yes, stone was used by Moshe Rabbeinu as well. Somewhere that says why you could. Use metal it's not a Gemara. There's a primigadim that quotes a medrash that when it happened by David Melech, David Melech made there's a whole thing that he made a deal with the metal on Goliath's head right, yeah. to allow. And the primigadim brings it down as to why we use metal knives for brismila. And he says because of that that uh, that the metal opened up for the rocks to go through and hit Og so, uh, Goliath. I'm sorry. So therefore, it switched it over. The primigadim brings it down as the reason why we use metal knives. So it's a it's a halachic safer, which is really strange. But yeah, that's the medrash that they bring down, and everybody brings it down. It's like the strangest thing, because the metal opened up for the the stones to hit Goliath and kill him. It's like you know, when we get there, maybe we'll try to figure out that medrash. But that's the medrash that's brought down as to why we switched if, if to metal. A, if there is actual gzeres akazu, why you should use stone? No gzeres akazu, just Yoshua. It was only Yoshua. Now the truth oh, is, so by Moshe, it also said. By Moshe, it also said stone. 
right? Vatikach Tziporat Sor. Right, because like you said earlier, it was easier, right. but there was no like actual halacha that no, you have to use. that's correct. That would be okay. There is a second answer. The second answer is, Shenis means there's a second part to the bris milah that was added on right now. Up until now, they had all gotten bris milahs, but the bris milahs were not with Priya. Priya is a little bit different. Priya is something that's a little bit added on in which you have to push back the membrane, right, while you're doing the bris milah itself. That did not need to be done by the times of Avraminu. It was added by Yoshua right now as a xer- uh, I don't want to say as a custom, almost like, almost like a halachal Moshe Misenai, but yeah. It's a it can't be characterized if it's not Moshe. I don't remember the exact halacha. I believe we hold that it's a deal raisa and that Yoshua got it in such a case where it's considered deal raisa. I don't by know. By definition, that's not a deal That's a good call because ain't rushai, ain't navi rushai so I don't know, I don't remember why, but Priya was added on at this point, right, and he was able to do it, and it could be that there were some people that did get brismilas, and even they needed a second brismila because they never got Priya. They needed that as well. Perhaps that's the reason why, and it came through. Oh, very good. Hold on. It says right over here. Uh, it was already given to Moshe Rabbeinu. He taught it to the children of you know Bnei Yisrael in the desert, but it had never been performed up until this well, time. Didn't do yeah, because didn't do Rismila. Very good. It was right over here. I just didn't notice it over here. And there we go. There's a whole story with Unculus over here, but it's a long one, and we're not going to go all the way through it. And that's that. Now here we go. This is This is what happened when Yoshua mauled the entire people. All the males, all the people of the war, they had died in the desert by on the way out of Mitzrayim. And those people that left Mitzrayim got a bris milah from Yoshua, but they died while they were in the desert. It says, Kimulim Everybody who left got bris milah. But they did not get a bris milah when they left Mitzrayim. Because during the 40 years that they walked through the desert, all the people that were the men of war that left Mitzrayim, since they didn't listen to the word of Hashem when he, who swore that he would give them the land, Right, uh, or who swore that he wouldn't give them the land that he had sworn to their fathers to give to them? They all died throughout the midbrest. Their children went instead of them. Those were mauled by Yoshua. They did not do so on the road. As we said before, that was one of the four reasons why they didn't do the bris meal on the road because they didn't know when they were going to stop. That's the idea behind it. Now, I'm sorry, uh, they didn't know when they were going to stop traveling, and because they didn't know. Yeah, because that was dangerous for somebody to get a bris and then travel afterward. They said, okay, we're not going to do bris milas. That was one of the ideas behind it right over there. Now, there was, everybody in the nation was, was, was circumcised on this day. They made a hill called Givas Aurelos, an actual hill of the Orlas. I mean, you think about it, 600,000 men with all their Orlas put together. might not have been a huge hill. But it was a hill. And they called the Givet Rolos and they put it through there. Bilaam, when he tried to curse the Jews, saw this in a vision that after they came into Eretz Yisrael, when they knew there were enemies trying to fight them and destroy them, and they went ahead and did bris milah, it was like, uh, how in the world did this nation do that? How, how, why would they do that? It's such a dangerous thing. It was like almost a remembrance of this act, and it seemed to be absolutely unbelievable. Okay, there was a lot about Elio and Avi over here, and that's that. Um, it says, After everybody had finished, they waited in that camp until they had recovered. It takes a few days, obviously, and that's that. I have removed the cherp of Mitzrayim, the degradation of Mitzrayim from upon you. Everything that reminded you of what happened in Mitzrayim, that they weren't giving brismilas at that time, it's all gone. Hold on a second, and I called that place Gilgal. Gilgal says, it's rolled off you. Galosius cherp of Mitzrayim. It was called Gilgal for that day. What do you say, Jordan? 
it was all done on the same day? It was all done on the same day, suppo- I, seemingly. And I guess if Yoshua needed help, there were other people to help him, right? Other but people, yes. It wasn't just Yoshua. It would be very no difficult to understand that Yoshua did it all by himself. Um, there is another line, right? What's the disgrace? So some people said, look, these people aren't circumcised just like us. They're no different from us. So why are they? Why did they consider themselves different? And that was the disgrace. However, there is quite another answer over here. Some say it's referring to the promiscuity of Mitzrayim, that the Egyptians were so into lewdness and promiscuity and taking away the Orla took away that extra bit of erva. You no longer have that cherpas mitzrayim, in other words, that idea over there. But there's a third one. And if anybody remembers that, that the, the star that Paro saw when they were leaving mitzrayim, he saw, he saw that they were leaving in the mazel of Ra. And I gave a shir on it not too long ago about the mazel, about the, the gods of Egypt, in which I said that Ra refers to their god named Horus. And I think we're mispronouncing it, so it's okay to say it. God named Ra. Yeah, that's not referring to this. The Ra was the god of the sun. However, at one point, Horus, who is the god of Mars, was connected with Amon-Ra, and they were all put together as one. You know when that happened? 3,500 years ago, in the times of Ramses II. So at that time, when Ra, Amon-Ra, was put together with Horus, they put them all together. So he became the god of the stars in the sky. The so it could a, be that the they're all connected. Yeah, it could be that they're all connected together. So that was the rod that they saw. Who knows? We don't know exactly, but that's the shot that they saw. Now the Cherpes time is gone because they saw that there was going to be bloodshed when you went into the Midbar. This was the revelation of the bloodshed. The bloodshed was their bris milas that they got when they left, when they were finally going into Eretz That was the bloodshed. They didn't die. Rather, they got that bloodshed instead. Okay. says in Pasuk Yud, Yeah. They were in Eretz They were on the west side of the Jordan River at this point. The Gilgal. Gilgal. They camped in Gilgal. Remember, they came in on the 11th. They brought the Korban Pesach on the 14th. In the evening, right? By that evening, by the other side of the Jordan River, right outside, right across from Yericho. They ate from the ground of the land. In other words, all their, the food of the land. You know, they had fields out there and everything. They ate from that the day after Pesach. Because up until that point, it was considered Chadash. New grain is not allowed to be eaten until the 16th of Nisan. That's a law in the Torah itself. So they started eating from the new grain the day after Pesach. Matzos v'koloi v'etzamayomazeh. They ate matzos and they ate koloi, these, these types of uh, whatever it is, uh, the roasted kernels. Yeah, kernels. They ate that right over there. Up until this point, there was mun. The mun stayed with them, even though Moshe Rabbeinu had died. It stayed with them until they didn't need it anymore. And they didn't need it anymore when they were able to eat from the ground. And that happened on the 16th of Nisan. The 16th Where of Nisan is when they were able to do it. They haven't fought any battles. Where are they finding enough food to... Uh, oh, so the fields all around Yericho. Because Yericho was closed in and they weren't coming out. So all around that area. A city where it has enough fields to feed so many people. And that's what, I mean, they might have had trade. You know, if you have fields, you have fields. I, I don't think that's, that, to me, I don't think that's so bad. No, but I'm so they would have found stuff. I mean, that would be like, I mean, you have a massive nation. The city of Yerijo couldn't be that big. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. Maybe there were still cities around. All you needed is a lot of fields. And there could have been many fields around the Jordan River, which would have been more, it would have been more water, you know, there would have been water everywhere. So I would, it would make sense that there were a lot of stuff. Uh, there is a uh, there is a medrash that says that they planted as soon as he, well they weren't there they came over on the tenth of Nisan but they planted on the eleventh and miraculously it grew by the fifteenth and whatever it was you know but that's a hard thing to understand in four days everything grew yeah, but I mean, right but it seems it seems yardage, yeah right? it seems clear that they just had a lot of fields there it made sense it was very fertile ground it was right around there it could be they still had mun that's still possible they still had mun at one point or whatever it is it could also be that they bought grant grain from the people around them right if there were people around them over there 
Either way, regardless, they definitely were harvesting the crop as soon as they were able to do it, right? And that's that. But yeah, it says that the miracle here that they planted right there in six days, it was able to grow and there was tremendous miracles, etc. And there was stuff like that. Fine. There was a bunch of stuff about how long they ate the month for and if this counted or not. The month stopped. It no longer was there. It all melted down and was gone when they started eating from the ground of the land. In other words, they had the month available until they were able to eat from the ground. Once they did that, loya month. No longer do they have a eretz That year, they had to eat all the tvua of the ground itself. That's when they had to eat, starting eating regular fields. Okay, stop. Now we have the famous pasuk, which is so strange. He lifted up his eyes and he saw. What did he see? There was a man seemingly standing opposite. His sword was unsheathed in his hand. Yoshua recognized it as a malach. Although it appeared to him as a man, he recognized it as being a malach. And he said, are you with us or are you with our enemies? Which one are you with? He said, no. Now that doesn't make any sense. Are you with us? Are you with our enemies? He said, no. Can he start Tzvashem? I am an angel of a Kaddish Baruch Hu. I come right now, he says. Yoshua fell to his face at the ground. He bowed down. What does my master say to what is the command, his servant himself? What am I supposed to know over here? Clearly something is interesting over here. The Pashup shot is that that night, um, an angel was sent to Yoshua to strengthen him, to say, don't worry, everything's going to be okay. Yoshua wasn't sure if this was a malach or a shade trying to destroy him, and therefore he asked him, Are you trying to help us? Are you against us? I can't tell. You have your sword on sheath. Is the sword on sheath against Klau Yisrael? Is the sword unsheathed against Yericho. What are you trying to do over here? He wasn't positive. He also knew, Yoshua, that he had done two things wrong that day, and he wasn't sure which one this Malach was here for. Number one, they had not brought the Korban Tamid. Now, why didn't they bring the Korban Tamid? Because they were preparing themselves for war against Yericho. They assumed that they had to do it naturally, and because they were going to have to do it naturally, they weren't able to get in time the Korban Tamid to do everything they needed to do. It took time to get everything together. But he knew that that was something that he had done wrong. And number two, they stopped studying Torah because they were going through all the plans that they needed to be able to defeat Yericho. Now, again, in a natural fashion, that's what anybody would need to do. And Yoshua was blamed for that because on his level, his, not ours, but his level, he should have realized you didn't need to prepare a who had everything set for them, they wouldn't have to do anything. It was going to be miraculous when they fought Yericho. Therefore, he should have devoted himself to studying Torah itself. And that's what he means. Halanu, are you here because of what we did, the Torah that we did not study properly? Or Litzarenu, Korbanos are there to knock down the enemies, to knock down the enemies that are there. That, that's what it means. Halanu atol im Litzarenu. Are you here against their enemies to be able to knock us, knock down those people over there? So which one is it? And he said, Atabasi, I come for what's happening right now. Right now, is that... Could you mute it? Do you mind muting that? We're just hearing a lot of noise from the background. Okay. But either way, it says, the angel said, now I come over here. I'm coming now. And you know why I'm coming right now? I didn't come in the afternoon because that would have been for the Corbin Tumming. I came for right now because you're not learning Torah. It's the idea of, if you're up anyway, you don't need to prepare for this war, just learn. And that's the problem over here. That's what happened over here. That's what the Malach was coming for. And now he was really worried. The first thing that Yoshua had been told in Parakalos... Not yet. No, not if you don't learn. If you don't learn, we're not going to be with you. I'm with, and that's why he said, no. No. What's the answer of no? It's that I'm here for you if you learn. But right now, I'm not here for anything. I'm not here for you. I'm not here against you. I'm here 
waiting for you guys to start learning, and that's that. And he realized the first thing that Yoshua had been told in Parak Aleph, you have to keep learning day and night and you can't stop. Nobody else was told this. Yoshua was told this. And he realized that was a problem on him, and he davened at that moment for, Yoshua, for it to be forgiven right over there. Um, there was a bit of a kasha over here as well. Why not bring the korbanos? He assumed that they had to maintain their battle positions against Yericho. He assumed that they couldn't bring the Arun back, so the Arun was in front. If the Arun was out of place, he figured that the Korban Tamid could not be brought, but he was wrong. The Korban Tamid, the, the Arun Kodesh had to be brought back. The Korban Tamid should have been brought in front of it, and it was all a mistake of Yoshua. That was the problem. Not only that, but also the people are not allowed to have puravu. They're not allowed to be together with their wives if the Arun Kodesh is not in its proper place. Therefore, it not only stop the Korban Talmud from being brought. It also stopped people from being together with their wives. Both of those were the problems over here. When, yeah. When the Pesach says, um, oh, I'm not there yet. Hold on. Oh, right, right there. Um, when it says, yeah, what do you say? That's Yoshua, right? Yoshua is saying to him. So yeah. according to that Peshat, you said the Malach is saying, no, I'm here now for the Torah. And then he said, so what other commands do you have for me? What other commands aside from that? Is there anything else you need to tell me? And that's exactly what the Malach said in Pasuk Tezvav. And we'll get there in a second. There is another command over here. There were three signs that he saw that this is a Malach and not a human being. Number one, the other people with him didn't see anyone there. He turned to everybody else. Everybody was like, we don't see anybody. So that's how he knew. Number two, there was an awesome appearance. It made him look like a little bit different. Number three, he appeared all at once in front of him as if he had just been appeared in front of him. And he realized when the Malach said Hashem's name, Right then, he knew it wasn't a shade. He knew it wasn't a demon itself, and that's why he was willing to bow down to it, knowing that it represented a kaddish baruch and chas v'shalom to bow down to a malach normally. But as we talked about in the shir not too long ago, kishmi b'kerbo, there are certain malachim that have a shem's name within them that are considered the representative of a kaddish baruch You can bow down to a shem, even though it's a malach in front of you. You're not bowing down to the angel, referring to something else as well. That's the idea behind it. Now, what was this angel? Which angel was this? It's machlokis rishonim, whether it was michol or gavriel. Either it was michol or gavriel. Those that say it's Michal, it's because there was a Malach that was promised to Klau Yisrael in last week's Parsha, as well as in Parsha Kisisa, and Moshe Ben rejected it and said, I don't want the Malach with me. And if you don't come with me, I'll tell Lenin, he said, don't, don't bring us out of here until you promise that you're going to come with us, he said to our Kaddish Baruch Hu. So when Moshe Ben dies, that Malach comes in. How do we know what that Malach is? Well, at the end of Parsha's Tetzaveh, there's a simon for all the Pesukim in the Parsha. There's 101 Pesukim in Parsha's Tetzaveh. Parsha's Tetzaveh is the only Parsha in the Torah from Shmos and An, where Moshe Rabbeinu's name is not mentioned. Devarim Vas, uh, no, Vaschanen Ekev Re'eh. Do not, because it's Moshe Rabbeinu talking the whole time. Vaschanen Ekev Re'eh. So those don't have Moshe Rabbeinu's name, but it's all Moshe all the way through from Shmos to Leon, except for Parsha's Tetzaveh, where Moshe Rabbeinu is not mentioned, and he's not speaking. It's Hashem speaking to him, and it just says, but Tetzaveh a love. It's almost like to him. Didn't say Moshe Rabbeinu's name. The reason why is because Parsha Tzava was the Kohen Gadol's Parsha that was supposed to be Moshe Rabbeinu's. He didn't get it because he complained too much and it went to Aaron. So there, Moshe Rabbeinu was not there. Therefore, the simon in the Parsha, the amount of Pesukim in the Parsha is 101. 101 is the Gematra of Michael. And that's the Malach that comes in when Moshe Rabbeinu is gone. If Moshe is not there, Michal's in. Here, when Moshe is gone, the Malach that comes to Yoshua is Michal. He's the Malach that comes inside. Hidden letters of Moshe's name. Not very good. The Nalam is exactly that. If you do Moshe, it's Mem, set Mem. Shin, Yud, Nun is the missing letters. And Hey is Hey, Aleph. So if you take the Mem, Nun, Yud, Aleph, it's a gematria of 101, gematria of Michal. That's exactly it. Right? And that's the idea behind it, that he's the missing part of Moshe Rabbeinu. There is another opinion that says Matat. I think it's a mistake. 
Metad is the Malach that's mentioned in Parsha Mishpatim, not over here, but regardless, it's fine. But Yom Ritzartzvah, Yoshua, Hashem, Yoshua, Pasuk Tazvah, the Sartzvah, Hashem said to Yoshua, Shalna Alchem Yaraglacha, take your, your shoes off your foot. Literally, it's take your shoe off your foot. Because the land that you're standing on is very holy. Yoshua did exactly that. Here he's trying to tell you, you're standing in right outside. This area over here is considered holy because you're here. The Shekhinah that stood here in this place. It's not that this place has intrinsic holiness. There is no absolute holiness outside of Yericho. There's nothing there. But there's an holiness because you're here and you're Kadosh. And therefore, you have to take off your, your shoes to be able to make it there. And Yoshua. Because Yoshua was just that great. And for that reason, it says na'alcha, not na'alecha. By Moshe Rabbeinu, it said, shal na'alecha take off your shoes when he came to Harsinai. Because both of the shoes, he's supposed to take off both of them. is a very holy place. This is only a holy place, not the holiest place. There's another answer that's given. Moshe Rabbeinu had to remove all vestiges of physicality to become the Moshe Rabbeinu that we know of. Yoshua remained physical even afterward. And one of the rayas is, Yoshua only got married after all of this happened. He's not married yet. I mean, at least we don't see that he's married yet. But we know he gets married later on to Rachav Azona, which means he took on physicality after he became this awesome Navi, which is definitely, definitely interesting. Shal Na'alcha is take away one shoe, but leave on one shoe. In other words, keep your physicality in some way. So, yeah. so did he just stop wearing shoes from then on? No, not literally. Why it did not literally mean. He was. was holy. I, I think you're right. I think you're right with that. It's a combination of that the Malach was able to meet him at that time. That made the holiness there, and that he was willing to take on the tzivu of a cutter. Powerful, but not at all times. Yeah, yeah. So maybe right at that moment, he was able to do that. I don't know. I don't know. All right, Park Vov. Now we have something interesting. So here's where we are, guys. If you look right over here, here's the Dead Sea. Here's the Jordan River, the Plains of Moab. They crossed over the Jordan River right around that area. Gilgal is right there. Yericho is right there. It is where it is today. It's almost very close to where it's going to be. And we'll go into it right now. It says Yericho Silgaris Musugaris closed up and totally closed up. Nobody allowed anybody out. In other words, there were seven walls there altogether. Seven walls all around. Each one was as thick as it was high. Right? So there was a very thick, high wall. The gates were made of absolute iron. They were bolted on the inside and outside with bolts made of iron and brass. The gates on the different walls were not aligned with each other. That meant if you, even if you got in through one door, you had to go all the way over here to get in through the other door, which is very smart, right, to be able to get in. Right, that's that. They were also protected by magic spells where you couldn't get in without permission from those people who knew the magic inside it. And if all else failed, they also had demons that were able to protect them. These people of Yericho were extremely closed off in every which way. Every morning, the problem was, every single morning, whenever they tried to lock them, right? Whenever they tried to lock the gates of Yericho, they found them open as if to welcome in the Jews. So every morning they had to close them again. That's why Sogaris or Misugaris. They kept closing them again and again and again, right? And that's what so happened which, over there. Which wall did, which of the seven walls did Rachav live in? Like so we're going to see. There might have been parts where it was very close to one another and those walls were so thick, right? That was all considered like one big wall. So that makes a little bit of sense. I'm not sure exactly when it came down over here. But in this case, Richo, nobody was allowed to leave. So even though the walls were open, the gates may have been open, nobody's allowed to leave Richo itself. Hashem said to Yeshua, I have put in your hands Yericho, and it's king. All the strong men, it's all going to be delivered to you. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is saying like this, I'm delivering the Malach of Yericho to you. You're not going to have to do anything. Just follow my instructions. Really, you're not going to have to do anything. Everything's going to happen for you. Don't worry about anything. Yeshua, as we'll see, 
he's going to put his foot down on top of the neck of the angel that, of Yericho in order to show that he had conquered him already and they didn't have to do anything. I want you to surround the city, all the people of war. I want you to surround the city and go around the city once. Do that six days. Go around once. One for six days. Shiva Kwanim Yisu Shiva Shofros Yovlum with Nea Aron. Seven Kwanim are going to carry seven shofers, Yovels, these are ram shofers, in front of the Aron Kodesh. But Yomashvi, seventh day, which is going to be Shabbos, Tosobos Ir Sheva Pami, you're going to surround the city seven times. Yakwanim Yisku Vashofers, while the Kwanim below the shofers. When the Yovel goes off, when you hear the Kola Shofer, Yariu Kola Amtrua Gedola, at that moment on the seventh day, everybody's going to scream out loud, Venafla Chomos Ir Tachtel, all the wall is going to fall beneath it. Itself, and each person is just going to come in. It's not going to fall down this way. It's going to fall down this way. It's going to come straight down. It couldn't fall that way, right? It had to just dig, go down straight inside over there, which is really interesting. There were groups. The first people to travel was Ruven, Gud, and Chatzis, Sheva, Menashe. They had to fulfill their promise in the first war that they were going to have. Number two, then there went the seven Kwanim with the seven ram's horns. And number three, there's going to be the Kohanim carrying the Aron Kodesh. And behind all of them was going to be the rest of the people. Shevet Dun was going to be the final one. That was going to be the order over here. It was Sunday when HaKadosh Baruch Hu commanded this to Yoshua. Shabbos was going to be the seventh day over here. Now, why did HaKadosh Baruch Hu want the Wanted to happen this way. This is a little crazy. The answer is Kaddish, Kaddish Baruch wanted to show that everything is his and that he's all powerful. The same way he did in Mitzrayim with all the Makos and then Kriyas Yamsa to show everybody how great he was. The same thing over here as well. He also wanted to show he's the creator of the world. I can do everything. And therefore, the seven days of creation, so to speak, they're going around in all seven days to show that it's Bidafka on seven itself. Right? That's that. We do this. I'm sorry, Docha Shabbos. You can fight a war on Shabbos, and this was because it was a command from a Kaddish Baruch Hu specifically to fight on Shabbos itself. Um, you should know that this is why we do Hoshana Rabbah as well as all those, the Hakafos that we do with the Lulav going around the Bima. You know, we don't do it on Shabbos, we stay in place. But that's why we do all that. In Hoshana Rabbah itself, we go around seven times. It's, and Sukkot we do it because there are 70 nations of the world, and we're trying to show our mastery through Remez over the 70 nations of the world. Like going around seven times is going to be like that. We say Hoshana. Please, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, save us. Each time you receive a salvation from the ten nations of the 70 nations altogether, you're protected from all the seven forces of impurity and everything like that, and it drives evil from them. If you do it correctly, that's what it's supposed to be. It's also the reason why a chassan and kala. We all know the chassan and kala. The kala goes around the chassan seven times. Same reason to be able to make that type of whatever it is. There are other people that say this refers to the 70 years of a person. Some say it refers to the cycles of the world itself. It's symbolic of the seven stages of a person's life. He goes into at the first, you're a king because you're a little child. Child, then you're a pig. That's that happens when you're like two, three years old. You sit in your own stew, in your own poo, right? Then you're a goat. Then you're a horse. Then you're a donkey going to work. Then you're a dog when you're all 56 years old, just taking care of everybody else. And then finally, you're a monkey at the end, where you can't do much else and you lose your almost your humanity toward the end of your life. It's pretty pretty crazy, right? But it goes seven altogether. It's also supposed to be you have mastery over the seven nations that are at Canaan. You have mastery over the seven kochveleches, the five planets and the sun and the moon that they were able to see with their own eyes in the sky itself as if they were in charge of their own mazel and all that was supposed to be there. There's no question, however, that the seven times that they went around was absolutely a miracle. Wait a thing, even if Eureka was a small city, let's say it was a small city, having an, a bunch of warriors go around a city once in one day, I can understand. Seven times in one day? I, 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 I Honestly, let's say it was a really small city. Seven times in one day, your entire army going around. I don't even know how it's possible. say seven times in one day? That's the just... seventh day. On the seventh day, they're supposed oh, to go seven times, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? That's an absolute miracle. No matter how we look at that, that's absolutely miraculous. I, I don't even know. And they still have to fight on that day. Well, they were fighting on that day. The amount of soldiers they had weren't so many. 
it seems strange. Why would they have had so few soldiers if it's, it's the first city. war? It's a small city, just like the only time. It, it'd be hard. First of all, by the eye, we talk about the small war in which they went, and even when they fought them the second time, you'd think the Pussy would have said it. And it could be, it could be it was a small amount of soldiers that went around. It's just weird. Maybe it is it really like weird. The, yeah. Our own, the Kohanim, like a small contingency. That no, but I said the people went behind them. I, that's the only reason why it's a little weird to me. It could be. It just it seems something happened over here in a Kaddish Baruch Wanda. It's just weird that you're walking around seven times one day and then fighting. That's just they a, weren't exhausting. Fighting. Yeah, and that's got to be the answer as well. So Somehow there were miracles here. Pasuk Vav. Vayikra Yeshua benun alakwanim vayomer aleim suuaz arun abris v'shiva kwanim yisu shiva shofros kate take the arun seven kwanim take the seven shofros yovlim lifnei arun Hashem vayomer alam ivru v'sovo as irva chaluz yavru lifnei arun Hashem go circle the city the vanguard everybody's going to go in front you're going to have all these kwanim going in front over here everybody's going to give honor to what happened over here and says Pasuk Ches vayikam or Yeshua alam when he said it to them he said to them he said to the people v'shiva kwanim nosim shiva shofros yovlim lifnei Hashem we talk about shofars of Aaron versus Shem Holech Achrayim. So they blew the shofars, right? And the Aaron walked in front of them. Achalus Holech Lipnei Kohanim, and they had some type of army that went in front of the Kohanim. Taku a shofros, they blew the shofar of the Kohanim. Ba Maasef Holech Achrayim Aaron, and then the Maasef there was the the gatherers. Shevet Dun was all the way behind the Aaron. Holech took all the shofars. Everybody's blowing in the shofar. Ves Am Tziva Yoshua Lemor, but the people Yoshua commanded them saying, don't. Don't scream. I don't want to hear your voices. Until Hashem tells him to do. Can you imagine this, this scene? The quantum blowing the shofars as they're going around and everyone is silent. Everyone is absolutely silent. And the reason why they were silent is because HaKadosh Baruch wanted them to know it's not you. Don't scare the, the people from Yericho. Don't think it's like me, I'm the warrior, I'm the one who's able to do this. No, no, no. This is all HaKadosh Baruch But it is also dangerous. Can you imagine? You're being told to go around the city. Now, again, you'd assume you went as close to the city as possible because it would be too far. If you went too far away from the walls of the city, it would take too long to be able to go all around. So you're right up to the walls. What do you think the enemies have on top of the walls? What does any enemy have on top of their walls? What do you do? Century. You have tar, you have fire, you're shooting arrows. All these people are up on top of here. This is a really dumb thing to do. You don't put your people all the way up to the wall and have them go around. They can just throw things on top of them. And still the people did it. The miracle is not that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you know, didn't let it happen. That's also miraculous. But the people were willing to do it and they didn't have any problem whatsoever. It, it's just, it is a little bit crazy over here. They warned the people. Everybody went ahead and did this and it happened exactly like that. Hashem is ear, hakef pamachas. One time they went around every single day. They returned to the camp and they rested overnight in the camp itself. Right? That's what they ended up doing. Here's a really cool thing as well. What's really interesting is, by Yasef, Aaron Hashem, it seems in the Pasuk, the people that traveled opposite the Aron Kodesh, meaning the Kohanim that had their chauffeurs, they didn't walk with their backs to the Aron Kodesh. Why would you walk with your backs to the Aron Kodesh? They walked backward. They walked backward. They faced the Aron Kodesh, blowing, their, blowing their, their chauffeurs, walking backward the entire time around the city, which is really cool, and that's what it says by Yasev. I'm sorry? Almost like a parade. Yeah, as if they're just showing. This is just it, right? And they were saying like this, every night, instead of being at war or whatever it was, they went back to their tents, they were able to be with their wives, they were allowed to learn Torah, which is what, exactly what Yoshua did for all seven days. Because again, this is not war positions anymore. They're not worried about it. Our Kaddish Baruch is going to take care of them. 
you can imagine the people inside Yericho are just thinking, like, what is going on here? They had no idea what's happening. By asking Yoshua Bavokov, you saw Kohanim as Aron Hashem. Yoshua got up early in the morning. The Kohanim got up. They, they carried the Aron Hashem. But Shiva Kohanim knows him. Shiva Shofar is the Yovlin from the Aron Hashem. Holchim Halofa to Kova Shofar. Halot Solich Levinim. Vamaatsi Balachare Aron Hashem. Halot to Kova Shofar. Vyastobos the Irba Yamashini. They went around the city on the second day. Pamachas one time. Yeshua Machna Kosu Shizim did this all six days. They did all on those days. The first day they couldn't do it as early, and the reason why is because simply put, he got the command in the morning. Then he had to tell the people what to do, so they went ahead. The next six, the next five days, they got up early in the morning. They did it early, and then they went home. But he on the seventh day on Shabbos. They got up at Alos. They got up early in the morning. They surrounded the city seven times. On this day, they went around seven times all together. So there is machlokas, by the way, if they went around thirteen or fourteen times. Did they do you know seven times altogether? Six times on those six days, and then a seventh time, and then seven times, or then that would be altogether fourteen, or was it six and then seven? Which one was it exactly? Um, they weren't commanded. We don't know if they were commanded one time each day and then seven times on the seventh day. We don't know if the seventh day was one time and then seven times, or was it not included in the one time? It was just the well, seven we'll times. That we hold six and seven because on Rabba, we don't do one for the day. And then very, very good. We do those six and then we do those seven right over there. He says that it's all dealing with something Kabbalistic and therefore like 13 is Echad, 14 is supposed to be um, all the names if you include Yisrael instead of Yaakov of the Avos. At this time, by the way, Yoshua created Aleinu L'Shabeach. Aleinu L'Shabach up until Al-Kinekava, which we'll see was made later on. Aleinu L'Shabach was made by Yoshua. And if you look, it says um, over here, Aleinu Shalom Va'anachnu and Hu Elokeinu Einod. Those first letters are Hoshea, backward, Hevav Shin Ayan. He didn't want to put the Yud inside because he considered himself extremely uh, humble. And originally, this prayer was said all together. He, prayed, he said it seven times forward and seven times backward, which means he did the opposite order of all Valenu. He read the Pesukim straight, but he read the last Pesuk first and then that, whatever it is. The Mikubalim say that if you say Alenu backward and forward, there is a power to be able to give a refuah shlema to a person which is an unbelievable line over here, but you're able to do that. Aleinu is gematra of 166. It's a gematra of Ma'umad, which is why people stand when they say Aleinu. At some point, the Anshe Knesset included in the Tfilos of Rosh Hashanah, Rabbi Nechunia ben Akana, who was a Tana, ended up instituting that it would be in, at the end of every single one of our, our, our Tfilos, right? And that's the idea behind it. So Aleinu was put in, but he created it right here. He composed it as they were surrounding the walls. On the seventh time, they blew on the shofars. Hariu, call out loud. Now it's time. Who's giving you the city? It's for you. This city, however, is Cherem. He made this right then. There was a machlokis. If Yoshua made it up as a Durabanan, or if it was also a command from Hashem. We have not seen this as a command from Hashem, but he said it's a cherem to Hashem. Everything goes in it to Hashem. Only Rachav Azona keep her alive. Everybody that's with her in the house because she hid the messengers. You got to be careful from that cherem that everybody had done. You should take from, if you take from If you do it, then everything in B'nai Yisrael is going to go down. So it's going to be bad for you. All the silver, gold, copper, and iron is holy to our Kaddish Baruch Hu. Bring it into the Otsuros of our Kaddish Baruch Hu. Guys, scream out loud. Be happy. 
Be joyous. HaKadosh Baruch is giving you the people right now. You're getting everything right there. That's the idea behind it. You should be happy that everything's going to be over here. That's the idea behind it. Now, not only should Rachel Vazona be alive, he also said, leave Rachav all of her possessions. Do not take anything from her. Although you're allowed to take, right? Although you're supposed to take everything from the city and destroy it, do not destroy anything that belongs to Rachav. Keep her everything she had. I'm sorry? No, there's two parts. Her house had a little bit in the wall. Bachomahi Oshavas is what it says. There was a part of the house that was inside the wall that was the private area where she had her znos. And then there was another part that was inside the wall that was considered a regular house in which she had her inn. So there was the znus part and the in part. And there were two parts altogether. The znus part was destroyed. The in part stayed around. And that was the difference that Rachel Vazona still was able to survive with all of her stuff. She was able to do that. So that's that. By the way, when everything came down, it goes through. Um, it is interesting that Yoshua, I don't know if the people ever knew about the Meraglam. Yoshua sent the Meraglam on his own, right? I don't know if anybody ever knew that those Meraglam were sent. And when well, he told them... Mistake the first time around. Right, exactly. So don't say it to other people. So it could be they never knew. And then all of a sudden he said that we sent. These are the Meraglam that we sent. The Melachim Asher Shalachnu. It's not Shalachnu. It's Shalachti. I sent it on my own. But he wanted to attribute it to everybody in the people to show that that happened. He also told them, make sure that nobody else takes from the cherem. Not just you, but nobody. Because everybody's responsible for another. There's a concept called Arvus. Arvus applied once they went past the Jordan River. Now everybody's responsible for one another. If somebody else takes from the cherem, other people can be punished for it. So be careful. Careful, said Yoshua, don't let that happen, and that's exactly what happened. Unfortunately, anybody could, and we'll see, it did happen, because Achan took what he wasn't supposed to from the war, other people were killed. It says, Vayara... But all the people that lived in all the people are going to be killed as well. So they screamed. The shofars were blowing. They screamed out loud. And the wall fell beneath itself. If the wall fell right beneath them, guys, they were able to just walk inside. What's the problem, right? There's nothing holding them back. They literally, they're all standing outside the city in some way, and they just walked in as it was right there. By Yokadu was here, and they captured the city. Because I'll say, literally, they didn't have to do anything whatsoever. They did blow that note on the horn itself, and they accepted the ban itself. Everybody was thrilled, and whatever it was, and no stones fell on the heads of the Jews. The walls did not fall backward onto the Jews. The walls didn't fall backward on the people of Yericho. They simply just walked in, and that's that. A little bit of the walls all stood up from the ground so that everybody could see that it was a miracle. Enough so that they had to walk on top of it, and then they walked inside. But nonetheless, they're there. Those walls of Yericho still exist today. You can see them. There is an archaeological site by Yericho in which you can see those walls. They are huge. They are massive, massive walls. You can see them, right, if you go anywhere near Yericho on the, on the, right by the Jordan River. It's really amazing to see. They're huge walls, and they're sunk into the ground. They're mamish in the ground all the way down. It's the coolest thing you've seen. I'm sorry? I've seen pictures, unfortunately. I've not been there because it is Arab territory by the Shomron, and I was a little scared to go there when they did a tour. But they do have them, and they have pictures. It's amazing pictures. Absolutely. You see, like, a whole picture of, like, three guys standing on just, like, walking. They're huge. Okay. They took all this thing. They destroyed everything in the city. Man and woman. Child until older person. Ox, sheep, and donkey. All of Yicharev by the sword itself. Okay, there are seven reasons why Yericho is going to be completely different, why there is going to be a cherem over here. The cherem was made because, number one, this is Shabbos. They couldn't benefit from Maisa Shabbos, what they did on Shabbos itself. Number two, it was sort of like Bikurim and Chala. Bikurim and Chala, you give your first things back to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's like they gave the first thing that they con- conquered over to, uh, uh, to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Number three, tons of Avodah in the city. The city was filled with Avodah Zarah and Kishuf. Therefore, they didn't want to take anything from themselves. Number four, because God did everything here for them. 
If God did everything, then therefore give it right back to God. Number five, it's to make sure that everyone is killed. If they end up taking from the spoils, people are going to spend time trying to make money and they won't try to kill everyone in the city. You want to make sure everything was there. Number six, to spread terror in the hearts of everybody there. They destroyed the city completely. And number seven, that they fulfilled their oath. Right, that a Kaddish Baruch Hu, I'm sorry, that Moshe Rabbeinu, um, when the Kananim on the other side of the Jordan River attacked, remember it says Vayishev Kanani, the Kanani came along. It was the people from Yericho. They swore at the time that if they would defeat the Kanani, which ended up being Sichon leading them, if they defeated them, then they would be Machrim, the city from which they all came. They came from Yericho, and therefore it says it over here. And they also needed to replenish everything the, they had over there. Yeah, yeah, it does make sense. What do you mean replenish, though? Like, I mean, they have to think ahead, too. For They have to build a base of meters. They have to no, they didn't. Ta- oh, they did take some of the gold, etc. Yeah, they did have to worry about making an otzer, so to speak. Okay, it says in Pasuk Chav Beis, What's that? Uh, this excavated mass, so it's yeah. not, but it wasn't that large of a city. It was um, I believe that. that makes 456 sense. meters long and 160 meters wide. Not that is small. Large. That's a couple blocks. Yeah, so it's still a couple blocks. Still, can you imagine if they had their army going through, let's say 50,000 people, walking around the city seven times. 50,000 people. Seven times. I, 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 I don't know. There were seven walls around it that were huge. They were big? I don't know if they, ooh, that goes with... And it's interesting. It's the two men that spied out the line. Amr Yoshua Bo, Beisa Isha Zona. Go to the house of Rachav Azona. Take out the woman that's called You swore to her that. The young men, the Meraglim, came to us. Rachav They took out her father and her mother. Rachav, etc. Her brothers. Everything she owned. And all of her family. So they put, her, put them outside of the Machne. So they burnt the whole city. But they took some stuff for the base of Mikdash. As Rachel was in the base of Yehovah's Kolosh, Hachia Yoshua, he let them live. They lived in monks to Yisrael, Yomazeh. Kiachbiya, Esam Alachim, Ashashalach, Yoshua, the Rachel's because they hid the Malachim over here. Now it is interesting that he said the Zona, right? Rachel has Zona over here. He says, normally you cannot go near right now because she did Tshuva. She abandoned her ways. She was Rachel Zona. Now she's different. Therefore, it's going to be different. The reason why Kalev and Pinchas had to go is because, simply put, they would recognize Rachel. I don't know if anybody else would recognize Rachel, if everybody else is going to recognize her. That's possible over there. Well, they know because she's in the house with the red string. Well, yeah, but they didn't know. They might not have known. When they came into the house, they found that but it was full of people. Knew her place anyway. Yeah, that for sure. But when they came into the house, they found... No, 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 I don't know, the and Jews. And didn't she leave something on the door? Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's how nobody knew. But they would recognize her. They found it full of people. You know what happened? Many people married into the family because they knew they were going to survive. Okay. So they all looked around and they're like, well, what's going on here? What do they do? So they took everyone out to wait for Yoshua. When Yoshua came and saw them, he said, I'll let them all live. So there were people that survived by marrying into Rachel's family, but technically Rachel was over on that? her promise. Rachel was over on her promise because Rachel said, I'm only going to take certain people. They realized that they had taken more people. There weren't that many people in Rachel's family, but all of a sudden everybody was there. Yoshua accepted them as converts. He married Rachel Vazona. Other people married into Rachel's family, right? And that's that. If you notice over here, they're called men. They're called messengers. They're called Na'arim because they were, they resisted the temptation to be with Rachel Vazona and therefore they are true, true shluchim malachim of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. There are called Na'arim because even though they were very old at this time, still they acted very young. They acted in the best way possible. However, there was an impulse in their Shavu over here. We'll go with the last Pasuk. Yoshua swore at that time saying, cursed is the man that builds up the city. He builds up the city, Yericho, 
either he builds up the city or builds another city by the name of Yericho. Anybody who does it will use his Bechor to found, make the foundation stone and his youngest child will be by the doors. He'll lose his children. Chazal say, both of those are Usher and unfortunately that was what it was going to be. He wanted Yericho to remain as a massive miracle so everyone see that it sunk into the ground and remain as a miracle forever. The building of the city is usually an attempt to attain glory, to show that you're greater, etc. The punishment for building Yericho then is to build, destroy your own glory, destroy your own kids over here. Unfortunately, it did happen. We'll talk about this next time, but Chiel built up the city and unfortunately lost all of his children. We have quite a bit over here. I only have Chafav. There's Chafzayim? Where's Chafzayim? He was known throughout the whole land. That's so funny to me. I'm always puts that in the beginning of Perak uh, Zion. Look at this. He puts it right here. All right, we'll stop with that for right now. We'll go in this next.